Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, running nerds, it's Kyle Merber, and we're going to try something new here. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a high likelihood that you love track and field. In that case, I encourage you to subscribe to the Lap Count newsletter. It's my newsletter, helping fans stay up to date with all the thrilling action and biggest stories in the world of track and field, delivered right to your inbox every Wednesday morning. It's free. It takes less than a minute to sign up at thelapcount.com, and I think you'll enjoy it. Here's this week's newsletter read by Chris Chavez. Before we get into it, this week's newsletter is presented by Bandit Running. Bandit Running is a performance and lifestyle running apparel brand founded by members of the New York City running community in 2020. What started off with socks and accessories has grown into a full-fledged apparel line. And this year for the race in Chicago, Bandit is partnering with Sidious Mac to show up in a major way. I may be biased here, but it's going to be sweet. RSVP for their weekend events on their website. Swing by their pop-up shop at 333 North Michigan Avenue starting on Thursday, October 5th. You got to check out their Chicago collection. It looks awesome. We'll see you in Chicago. The start of something new on the roads. The inaugural edition of the World Road Running Championships is in the books, and it seems like it was a success. No logistical snafus, good races, and no protesters, although maybe that just means the event lacked enough prestige to get on any organizer's radar. From my perspective, hiding under the covers at 5 a.m. watching on a phone without any volume, it seemed like a fun enough festival of races that we ought to try and convert into a tradition. And that's good because it's coming to San Diego in 2025. The one-day event featured a mile, 5K, and half marathon with 347 elite athletes representing 56 countries. The times were good. However, given the blitz of fast marks that we've been treated to recently, it takes a little bit more to impress me these days. But this is a championship, and that's what we got. Good, hard racing. More on that in a second. Latvia doesn't feature in too many conversations when it comes to modern-day international running, so it was really cool to see and hear the enthusiasm of the Baltic country on display. People were stoked to be hosting an event of this stature in their own backyard. There were over 13,000 entrants in the mass start races. How many first-time road races can put up those types of numbers right out of the gates? Hell, the New York City Marathon only saw 55 entrants in its rookie season. Look at it go now. I have full confidence that the organizing committee in San Diego is going to knock it out of the park as well, even if they basically have to put the thing together from a near blank slate logistically. The real challenge this event is going to face as it strives to cement itself as a must contest for top athletes is easy to identify, but tougher to solve. The prize money for winning the half marathon at this year's championships was $30,000, the same as it was 20 years ago at the IAAF half marathon championships in Portugal. Options have value, and that's the challenge with road running right now. Ask someone to name the best 100-meter runner in the world, and they'll, assuming they're a reader of this newsletter or higher in the track nerdum continuum, tell you who won uh, Worlds. But we try to argue who the best female marathoner in the world is right now. Then we'll be debating seven different athletes who pass by each other like ships in the night because there's no need to overlap. 
It's in the best interest of world athletics to find a way to compete with the top road races across the globe, not only for consolidation of talent, but for storytelling and profits. The world marathon majors should be looked at as a competitor. Any entity that is able to pull Elliot Kipchoge away from competing at your championship is not a friend. Rather than outsourcing the content, the TV contracts, the additional sponsorships, and the entry fees, world athletics could own the entire property itself. Do the math. Over 47,000 people run the New York City Marathon, and it costs between $255 and $358 to enter. If World Athletics hosted its own quote-unquote New York City Marathon, then that's an additional $14 million of revenue for New York Roadrunners off registration fees alone. Someone is going to email me the real math, but the point remains that there is a ton of money in mass participation road racing that World Athletics should tap into more aggressively. In 2020, New York Roadrunners had $105 million in revenue in comparison to World Athletics' 2022 revenue of $54.9 million. With the reduction of prize money at the World Marathon Majors, this smells like a major opportunity for an elite-focused event to start enticing the very best in the world to all race on the same day once a year rather than once every four years. And since I know Sebco definitely only skims this newsletter and prefers to read what follows bolded text, let me state this clearly as to what he should do next. Move the marathon from the World Athletics Championships to the World Road Running Championships. Host the event every year in the same fast, flat, and major beautiful city. Then use the funding from the 30,000-plus person event to pay elite athletes better than any other race so that it actually crowns the true world champion. Some more from the World Road Running Championships. Even if I make you care about the World Road Running Championships on the Wednesday after they already took place, you won't remember this feeling two years from now when they're in San Diego. We'll get hyped up for that one in due time, but for now, let's break down why each race was special for the athletes. Results and race videos are included and linked in the Lap Count newsletter, which you can read at thelapcount.com. Let's start with the women's 5K. Entering the year as the 2022 world champion 5,000-meter silver medalist, Beatrice Chibet had already introduced herself on the international stage. But in 2023, she truly established herself there. Despite Chibet's U-20 cross-country title in 2019, there were definite undertones in February that perhaps Latessa Mbekide of Ethiopia lost this year's race in Bathurst just as much as Chibet had won it. Remember, Gide collapsed just meters away from the finish line. But then in a stellar track season that included another world championships medal in the 5,000 and taking 29 seconds off her personal best to run 14.05, that showed that she was not a flash in the pan. Now, with another title to bookmark the season, Chibet has proven herself on every surface. She's our Serena. Switching gears over to the men's 5K, if you had four guys run under 1243 for 5K in a year, then you'd hope at least one of them would grab a medal at the world championships in Budapest think again. And speaking of thinking, Ethiopia will think twice about allowing future championship races to go tactical like that again. Seeking redemption in Riga, Hegus Gebrewet and Yomiv Kajelcha showed up having learned from their mistakes. They put the thing out of reach and even put the bronze medal finisher about 100 meters in their rear view. After dabbling in the half this year and now entering his fourth Olympic cycle, it would seem the roads are beginning to call Hagos's name. In the women's mile, Faith Kapiagon is human after all, and this is big news for Ethiopia's Dariba Watelji, who now has a reason to believe that the gap between the two next year may not be as insurmountable as it once was thought out to be. Running 420 in the road mile to beat an athlete who was clearly not on top of her game does not make this a rivalry just yet. 
but we may not be appreciating with LG season as much as we should, only because Kipia Gun kept beating her. Not this time, though. There were 35 guys on the line for the men's mile, and it was not easy for every federation to find the bodies who were eager to continue their track season into October. Most athletes would be running on fumes at this point in the year, except for Hobbs Kessler, who has the youthful exuberance necessary to continue things going on pure vibes. It's that, and he was also hungry to finish off the year with some hardware. Although the 20-year-old ran significant personal bests of 145 for 800, 332 for 1500, and 739 for 3K, and the one that mattered most, the U.S. Championships, he finished a disappointing sixth place in the final. Still, only in the third real season of his career, Kessler is learning to harness his superpower in races. And the $60,000 pr- prize, which was 10K for the win and 50K for the world record, has many milers wishing that they would have pushed their beach vacation back a couple weeks. This was the third World Half Marathon title for Paris Jipchirchir, who patiently waited behind teammate Margaret Chalimo Kipkemboe until the very end. Her winning time of 67.25 led a Kenyan sweep and continued her hot streak in championship racing. Having won New York, Boston, and the Olympics, there is a strong argument to be made that Jipchirchir is the strongest roadrunner in the world. But in the blink of an eye, her 217 personal best from winning the Valencia Marathon in 2020 is suddenly only the 10th fastest of all time. With New York on the horizon and a focus on the Olympics, there won't be any time trials in her future, but let's not hold that against her. The men's half marathon. In trying to figure out why this was a special race for Sebastian Kamaru Sawe, the first obvious answer is that it's his first global medal of any variety. But also, is it time for him to try new things? Now, I don't want to be that guy who's pushing everyone up to the marathon, but if you're not going to race on the track, then I don't see much purpose in limiting one's earning potential to what you can get from 10Ks and half marathons. He has run under an hour in all six of his halves and won five of them. Go get paid. You deserve it. Real quick, on the topic of running the canceled Twin Cities Marathon and 10-miler, over 20,000 runners were likely already up early and eating microwavable oatmeal when they received an email that the Twin Cities Marathon and the 10-miler were canceled due to heat, although the temperatures were going to be more reasonable that morning at 74 degrees. It was slated to get up to 92 degrees later in the day. The race was, quote, black flagged out of concern for runner safety. I don't envy having to make that decision, and I'm not super confident in the average person's ability to understand when they're at risk of heat stroke, but the fact that huge swarms of runners and fans still took to the course to do it anyway seems like it was maybe not the best compromise when dealing with the notoriously stubborn emotions of runners. Would it have been better to pivot to a five-mile or half-marathon instead? That's a genuine question. Don't send me any angry emails. Ollie Hoare discusses mental health struggles. Do you remember how the occasional episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would unexpectedly hit you over the head with some real-life shit? I came to watch Will Chase Girls, but occasionally 10-year-old me stayed to learn about the realities of being black in America. Well, a podcast that started a couple years ago, mostly to assign silly nicknames to their competitors, had a real one this past week. For those of you who are not regular listeners, the Coffee Club podcast is essentially a recorded version of the sort of conversations that you might have with teammates on a run. Sometimes that means transparently talking about how we really feel about what's happening in track and field, and other times it's cheerleading for your friends after a tough race. This week, Ollie Hoare opened up in a monologue about his journey from discovering his passion to becoming a 347 miler and the Commonwealth Games champion. 
It's his story to tell, and I encourage you to listen. But as a warning to sensitive listeners, it details his experiences with being bullied, suicidal thoughts, depression, and other heavy topics that are rarely articulated by world-class male athletes during the peak of their careers. Being bullied is an unfortunate commonality among many distance runners. While there is a range to it, a lot of us who grew up in the sport were mocked at some point for wearing short shorts or for not playing a real sport. But for any reader who didn't grow up when the internet was a constant presence in life, that the nature of bullying has changed. A lot of the bullying has shifted from the occasional in-person put down to a steady deluge of unwanted online commentary or harassment. When running is your everything and the sport and its fans have seemingly turned on you, having non-runners in your life to support you and to remind you that there's more out there is crucial. Seriously, seeing some of the comments from high school kids on the public side of the internet should give a hint to the type of mistreatment that is happening behind closed doors. This is in 2006 when kids may have not realized that your digital footprint would follow you forever and could have severely negative real-world implications. These kids know that now. Over the past few years, we've made a big push towards transparency, and it's not as taboo to discuss the difficult realities that many athletes face. Hearing that a professional athlete was so unhappy during the best season of his life that he was quietly contemplating retirement will resonate with so many. Even 10 years ago, when I was suffering in silence with insomnia that turned out to stem from anxiety around my job, it would have made a world of a difference to hear a story like Ollie's and probably would have led me to address my issues sooner. No more off years. Seb's 2026 spectacle. Why is this letter from Sebco not getting more attention? I've linked to it in the lap count. Here's a quote from World Athletics President Sebco. 2026 is important for us because from this point, it's the first year we don't have a World Championships or an Olympic Games. So we're going to create a three-night athletic spectacle. It will be a television product. We'll take a limited number of best athletes per event, and there will be a big prize pot. End quote. This is huge. The rumors are true. Here are eight things to convince you to care about Chicago. I'd imagine most of you were going to tune in to watch the Chicago Marathon no matter what. But for the subpopulation of you who read a weekly newsletter about running and don't actually care about what happens, first off, please explain yourselves. And then secondly, here are some of the most interesting plot lines expected for Sunday's race that can possibly entice you to watch. NBC5 Chicago, Telemundo Chicago will provide live TV coverage and streaming from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time, and the live stream will be available at NBCChicago.com. For your viewing pleasure, Sidious Mag will be hosting a race companion alternative commentary live stream on our YouTube channel at the exact same time. First off, American Record Watch. In 2022, Emily Sisson ran 218.29 in Chicago to break Kira D'Amato's previous mark. And to hold on to it this year, she may need to be the top American. Emma Bates is coming in as the queen of consistency and off a fifth-place finish in Boston. If the company she kept there is any indication of her abilities on a quicker day, then she's capable of scaring that time. Regardless of hills or weather, the American record pace is still 8-plus second faster per mile than her tempo from the spring. But Bates has run well in Chicago before. She was second here in 2021. Reason number two, the return of Molly. My rooting interest almost always lies in what's best for the sport, and I unequivocally believe that Molly Seidel running well is that. It has been a rocky two years for the Olympic bronze medalist, but she has pieced together a solid block here in advance of this one. After a ninth-place finish at the 2023 U.S. 20K Championships, she put together back-to-back 135-mile weeks. Seidel doesn't need to hit a home run here. It's just get on base with the target of the trials in February. Reason number three, Mr. 201 goes again. Kelvin Kiptum has a rule, and it's that he only runs sub-202 marathons. 
His Valencia win in 2022 put him on the map with far and away the best debut ever. Then in London, he ran the second half of that race in 59.45 and gave the world record a scare by running 201.25, which has left Kipchoge heads everywhere questioning their allegiance to marathoning's philosopher King. The question now becomes, can he find 16 more seconds on Chicago's course? Reason number four, welcome back Benson. The defending champion Benson Kipruta will be there to pick up any crumbs in the second half of the race if Kiptum goes out with too much intent. He wasn't scared of Kipchoge in pre-race conversations in Boston, but how will he do without his best bud, Evan Chibet, by his side? Reason number five, be patient, Ruth. Remember the scene last year where Ruth Chepengadich was out with the elite men? Her first 5K was 1511, and she came through the half in 6544, yet somehow she still managed to finish in 21418, just shy of the previous world record. If she's in similar form and does not do that again, then Tigas Asefa's 211.53 might not be too much of an outlier either. Reason number six. This is why Stefan Hassan trained through Worlds. Everything Stefan Hassan competes in is now must-watch television. She's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Stopping to stretch in the middle, falling right before the finish line, or sitting way off the pace and then kicking. But the one thing that is consistent is that Stefan shows up to run fast and make things interesting. Despite her six races in Budapest, the two-time Olympic champion found the time to do workouts in between them. She will stick to Cepengedic. Reason number seven, the quest to break 208.10. At this point, all of the U.S. Olympic hopeful men will be cheering on the likes of Connor Mance, Galen Rupp, Matt McDonald, and anyone with a shot of getting under the Olympic standard. That will unlock a guaranteed spot for the entire country, well, for those who are already under the 211.30 qualifier, without having to rely on rankings or descending order lists. If you're confused, we have a whole entire explainer that I've linked in the lab count and on CitiousMag.com. Reason number eight, temperatures look good. It'll be about 47 degrees at the start, and sure, the Midwest can be completely unpredictable at the beginning of October, but we can work with this. It's still a number of days out, and it seems like it could be a little windy at 14 miles per hour, but more experienced friends that I texted about this aren't overly worried right now about keeping things from being wicked fast. Sorry, I don't know what the Chicagoland slang is for, really. Here's what else you need to know. Noah Lyles made a big media weekend, first appearing on Sunday Night Football in front of an audience of 29 million, thanks to some Taylor Swift fans. The following day, he was on the Today Show talking medals and his documentary on Peacock. Stanford may be a Nike school, but their track team is covered in on. Cole Sprout signed his own NIL deal to become the fourth Stanford athlete to do so. Next up, I don't really understand why Boston qualifying is not a guaranteed entry, but the BAA announced that this year, the time needed for applicants to be accepted was 5 minutes and 29 seconds faster than the BQ. Like, do those words mean something different in New England than in New York? The Valencia Marathon has announced its field for the December 3rd race, and although it was previously shared, I just need to remind everyone that Joshua Cheptegei will be debuting there, and it's basically a really long track that people go to to run fast. CJ Albertson and Kellen Taylor won the Rock and Roll San Jose Half Marathon. Kellen gave birth to a daughter in December of 2022 and looks ready to roll for New York City and the trials and beyond that. And then, of course, CJ tried to do a workout immediately after the race but failed and then came back that evening to do it again. Laura Whiteman announced her retirement from professional running after an ongoing battle with health and injuries the two-time olympian finishes her career with personal best of four minutes for 1500 meters 417 for the mile and 1435 for 5k 
Lastly, Paris has less than 300 days to figure out this bed bug situation. Before we go, thank you to Bandit for supporting this week's newsletter. We're excited to have Boots on the Ground to watch such an incredible field go after it. You can find us at 333 North Michigan Avenue eating much busier hot dogs and much thicker pizza than normal. <laughs>